From Charles Schwab Stock Plan Services, this is Equity Unpacked, the podcast dedicated to simplifying the complicated world of equity compensation. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Equity Unpacked. I'm Amy Reback, your host, and I'm thrilled to have Christine Swirling here today with us as our guest. Christine, welcome. Happy to have you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm a huge fan of your podcast. Oh, thanks. It's so exciting to hear. So today we're going to be spending time on mobility, which is a a really big topic, I think, at, at any given time. But especially in the last year, when we reflect on 2020, there were a lot of employees who were forced to work from home. And there's a lot of great things about that, but there's a lot of complexities that go from a record keeping perspective and a finance perspective as well, particularly for equity plans. So we have Christine here from Twilio, and she's Director of Global Equity Operations there and an expert on mobility. So Christine, what changed in 2020? What was the biggest change as a stock plan administrator? What did you notice the most in 2020? From a mobility perspective, I just noticed the mobility took off. It, you know, all of a sudden we went from everybody, most people were in their own office. And so we could kind of track them. We knew where they were. If they were moving, they moved offices. So it was easy for us to track. We would get reports and, you know, everything would flow. And and it was fairly easy to manage uh, where they were and to track how we're taxing them and, and all of that. But all of a sudden, no one was in an office and it was trying to figure out where are they actually working? Where are they performing that work? Especially the places that are close to where states are close together. And maybe they live in New Jersey, but they usually work in New York, but now they're working in New Jersey. So where is their actual work location? So all of a sudden payroll, stock, everybody had to become an expert in mobile tax and where where was this income actually earned and tracking that. It's got to be really difficult for corporations to do that across the board, just as a corporation from a payroll perspective. But it gets even more complex when you talk about the different types of compensation. And you know, we're most interested, of course, in in equity compensation. But there's there's bonus and there's regular salary and and reimbursement and all of those different things. So for 2020, what I noticed is you know the world sort of ended in about March and everybody went home. And we were all asking, well, when are we going to go back? When do we go back to the office? And slowly people started to realize it's going to be a while. This is sort of the new normal that we're all experiencing. And about July, when people normally would have gone on some kind of summer vacation, they decided to not just go on vacation, but maybe go somewhere for a month or two and work from there. Because if you're working remotely, why wouldn't you work remotely in some place that's really close to a beach or a lake or your vacation house or an, you know, a, a rental that you can you can have for a long period of time just to change it up because everybody had been kind of locked up in their houses for a while. So the the hard part, like you said, is figuring out where they are. And I'm wondering do you feel like employees know that they have a responsibility to report that to their employers and and the implication for their employers? Uh, definitely, in the beginning, they did not. For some, they just they just didn't. You know, they feel felt like everything is you know online anyway. I can get you on Zoom. You can email me. You can find me. So I think in the beginning they did not. I know at Twilio we did a lot of. Um, kind of campaign to please update your work location. We, you know, we set up our um, HRIS system with temporary locations. So, okay, we know maybe temporarily you're working at your vacation home or your parents' house or wherever you got trapped when the borders locked down and, and all of that. So we we tried to get people to do that. As, as you know, as a leader, 
about 50-50 that they read the message and then 50-50 of that, that they actually action what they're supposed to. So we did a lot of updating, a lot of manager training with if you know your person is somewhere else, you need to you know help us, uh, help us find that out. At the same time, uh, also rolling out kind of work anywhere, the ability to, you know, okay, if you went ahead and you moved somewhere else, maybe you're just going to stay there anyway. So what, what can we do? What, what, what would that look like for you? So for some planning and there was almost a somewhat, we're headquartered in San Francisco and somewhat there was almost a disincentive to let us know that you moved outside of the San Francisco Bay area because there would be a pay differential. So if you went to live in Montana, you might take a pay cut. Um, so a little bit of that to deal with too. We, 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 our employees tend to be fairly honest. So they did report when they moved, but I think that's something that I've talked to other stock administrators about how they track it. And they also have run into some of those issues too. It's a, it's a big conundrum. I think that everybody's really just trying to figure out, but it's been a a long time coming that individual jurisdictions or states, if we're just talking domestic, it gets a lot more complex with international, but there's this this concept of a difference between a transfer versus a traveler. So transfer would be someone who decides to move somewhere or actually change their residency for a, a significant period of time. And a traveler is someone that, that frequently travels for work. And that's kind of a, a different thing that a lot of people sort of know that if they go somewhere for a day or two, they may have to report income. But the transfer piece, the big change with that is, you know, there were some employers who it, it was... It was okay for you to say, hey, I'm going to go live in Florida or I'm going to go live in Hawaii. And that was okay because maybe you were remote or maybe you traveled a lot and it wasn't necessary for you to be in one specific place. But now it's becoming a lot more mainstream for employees to say, hey, this is my choice of where I want to live. And in a very short period of time, we've accelerated sort of this mainstream acceptance of you can be full time remote. So instead of the employer knowing, hey, we're initiating a transfer and we're moving you to this specific place for your job, it's more of a voluntary thing that we're seeing from employees that are saying, hey, I want to go and work in Montana or relocate to this place. I don't think the mobility idea or different tax jurisdictions is new. Like you said, someone that lives in New Jersey but works in New York, that you know gets a little bit complicated of where they are. But having to pay taxes or be responsible for income tax in two states is not new. But it is new when it's it's voluntary and it's a sudden change. So, you know, how how do you get that education out there? I know you said that you've asked and, and your employees tend to be you know pretty honest about that, which is terrific. But what's your advice for for other stock plan administrators and equity teams who are having a hard time tracking it down? Well, hopefully you have kind of a COVID committee or some kind of HR committee that's working on this type of program and you have someone from tax involved uh, because you can't you can't do it alone. You need your internal team who's going to work on that, have a consistent message, you know, make sure that you're getting that mobility information out in every message that goes out. We have a, um, on our intranet, there's a website that talks about when you're moving, here are the things you need to work about. There's a section on equity and we have some little matrix that our tax provider provided us where you can say, I'm moving from California to New York and it'll give you kind of the blurb of here's how that affects you. So people can get that in front of them. They also, you know, any, any opportunity I can that we can take to over communicate to employees, to let them know there is a trailing tax liability, just, you know, the day after vesting is not when you want them to go, why did you sell so many shares for my taxes? What happened? We, tax surprises are never fun. Um, so they also, once the work location is updated in our HRIS system, they automatically get an email that 
He kind of lays out, hey, you've moved tax jurisdiction. You're going to have a trailing tax liability. Go check out this website. It'll it'll give you more information. So the more that you can educate employees and just get the word out there, the more likely it is that they will hopefully uh, let somebody know that their work location has moved. I feel like we're in the upswing now of finding out maybe before or while somebody's moving rather than, oh, I moved two months ago. So I think it's getting better and the education's getting out there, but it's definitely not something that you can um, take a break on. You just have to keep hounding them. It's so complicated and confusing. Employees get confused enough as, as about tax on equity as it is. Adding in the complication of trailing tax liability, you just lose them. And then they're like, I, I don't have time to even deal with this. Right. I just can't. In the right, I just can't. That's right. right. I'm just trying to get through each day. <laughs> Did you just say tax? I'm I'm leaving now. Yeah. Hey, so we've heard a lot in the last 18 months, and and you were giving us some great details on surprises that employees can can experience. But there's a there's surprises on the corporate side too. So I'm really curious to know. How often is that happening? I think the employee tax surprise, which, like you said, never fun. We know that that happens. We've seen that in the news. But but something that we don't see in the news very often is the corporate level, because there can be tax implications at the corporate level as well. If, if you have an employee that moves to a place where the corporation doesn't have an existing entity, there could be new corporate taxes at the corporate level. How often are you seeing that? And that is definitely something that when the when the pandemic first hit and we first went to lockdown and people started either going places or getting stuck places or maybe going back to help family somewhere that, that was sick. You can't tell them, no, they can't do that. And and it seemed like cruel and unusual punishment to say, you, well, you can't work if you're there. So there were definitely things that we needed to look at. Thankfully, Twilio is big enough that we were already registered in all of the states. So we didn't have that issue. But I had to talk to other colleagues at a lot of times private companies who weren't registered in each state that all of a sudden they're scrambling to register in those states to do tax returns in those states and pay payroll and all of that. So we didn't we didn't quite have that issue. We did internationally. People would be like, well, I have to go help family in X country or, you know, we're a vacationing in a certain country and then the borders closed and they couldn't get back. Um, so definitely things where we had to pull together with tax and legal um, and our outside advisors to, you know, what's our policy? How long is that going to last? What what are the policies in that country? You know, a lot of countries did put in a temporary you know, if you got stuck here, we understand you're, you know, you can do that and for a certain amount of time, but each country is different. So we did a lot of that. And then as things started opening up, it it was okay, you know, if you're in a country where we have a jurisdiction, these countries, then you can stay or you can, you know, settle there permanently, whatever, whatever kind of here's some of the options to do. There were some, I'm gonna say happy coincidences on the on the tax side because as i said we're headquartered in san francisco and san francisco has a pretty high local tax but most people don't live in san francisco so all of a sudden we could do that survey too and we could put that out to the local san francisco employees like we need you to update your work location if you're not working in san francisco we will save money so we didn't have to pay as much of the local tax as as in prior years so hmm. interesting okay I want to just flip over really quickly to, we've talked a lot about the transfers and surprises that come with that when, when folks choose to work somewhere else for a, a certain period of time. What about travelers? Now, I, I know that states have gotten a lot more savvy about this, but 
you know, if you were to fast forward 10 years from now, what do you think the capability will be both for transfers and travelers, considering there's 22 states that impose income tax on the very first day that a non-resident comes, a business traveler comes to work in their state. And I don't I don't think a lot of people know that there's quite so many. I, I think even for myself, I had to look at the list and say, okay, maybe just double check and make sure. And there were some surprises there. So if you look forward and you say, right now, a traveler that's going someplace for one day, it's really up to them to be able to report that. How do you think systems and tracking are going to come together maybe 10 years from now to allow that to be a little more automatic? What are you seeing? What I'm, what I'm hoping, since, since I have you on the phone here, um, <laughs> is that we will be able to link our travel systems up with our equity and or HR systems to have those just the information flow through. I, I do feel like we've gotten a little bit of a break in the last year and a half because nobody was really traveling. So we, we could kind of a little bit say, okay, we're, we'll, you know, we'll take this time to figure out what we want to do when people do start traveling and how we want to change. Because I think also with everybody being remote now, there's going to be more travel. Um, so I definitely think it's something that we are going to have to continue to educate the employees on and then figure out what are the tracking systems and what what are the travel tracking systems? Because I think since a lot of people haven't been traveling, those systems aren't really being updated right now. They're, I think those um, companies are kind of waiting to see what's coming also so that they know what to provide their companies. So I think in the next couple of years, it's really going to be a lot of development for what do companies need? Are they going to force people to use one travel company? Some companies, you know, let you use whoever, um, some force you to use one travel company, except for these people, they can use this, you know, it's like that type of thing. So I think it's going to be something where we streamline a lot more and with an understanding of why, uh, because I think the complications from COVID educated a lot of people that are in those decision-making roles on why it's important to track where people are working in that, you know, when states start looking for this revenue, they're going to start focusing on all of these different pieces. And when they see oh, I see, you know, you do have a lot more people maybe living and working in this state where you didn't before. I bet there are other people that are traveling in and working here. Let's start auditing this. Let's start looking at this. I think what I had heard is that the tax authorities would pull the proxy statements for companies and look at who their officers are and then look to see if they had done any investor conferences in their state. And then look back and see like, oh, you know, I see the executive from this company did three investor conferences in my state. That's weird. There's no tax return because this is one of the states maybe that has a one day um, in. They should have paid taxes. So now I, I need to go back and audit everything. So that I, I've I've heard that from tax professionals. I, I'm not that is not advice. I'm just that that is something that I've heard. So that somewhat scares me that we do need to start getting better at making sure we know when people were in certain places for no matter how long. Um, and I think it hits on some privacy issues too, because what if you were on vacation, but you worked for a day while you were there? Uh, definitely things I think we'll, we'll come up with policies about. Right. And, it, and a lot of complex details to figure out. It's, it's definitely a, a gray area at this point. Um. There's a couple of things that are recommended for 
equity professionals and spas to take to help your companies and your teams track these things. Uh, the first one is educate employees, which we've covered really, really well. You gave us some great tips on that. What about systems? What advice do you have on systems to track this and how does that help? Yeah, definitely look at what systems you're using to track where where people are and when they are. As since this is a trailing tax liability and most of us have at least a four-year vesting on our equity awards, that means we are going to be tracking that move for four years. So when I, I had first gotten to Twilio, we were much smaller. We were a few hundred people. I had a spreadsheet and, and um, my my tax advisors who would help me track the mobility, you know, it was kind of a joke that we had this funny little spreadsheet that we would send back and forth. And, you know, I would get information from HR on moves and then we would add it to the spreadsheet. Um, thankfully, we upgraded our systems shortly before the pandemic hit. So the moves are entered into our HRIS system. They flow automatically over to our equity tracking system to Equiview, and then it apply the system applies all of the taxes according to the rules that, that we set up. But definitely having something automated, I can't say enough how glad I am that we had this because the moves just accelerated. They went from maybe a hundred people a year to probably over a thousand, which there's no way we could have done that in a spreadsheet. That's a full-time job. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Do you think most employees, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about a disconnect between it's one thing for an employer to track where employees are working. And there's, you know, like you said, there can be employee tax surprises, especially from a, a trailing tax liability perspective. But at the end of the year, they they get all of their tax documents and they see that they're they're being reported for income in, you know, let's say five different states. What happens? Are you seeing any disconnect if they are not paying attention to that and they're not filing in those states? Is is that is that happening yet or is that five to 10 years from now? Um, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I've not heard from any employees that, that they've not filed in certain states. I have done a number of phone calls with employees and their tax advisors because their tax advisor didn't understand why we reported income in different states. And they didn't necessarily understand how to report that or how to help their client with their tax return. So I think on the tax advisory side, I think those folks are going to have to become a lot more educated in how we process or how they process um, tax returns in multiple states. Okay, let's move, in, let's move on to support. Um, you mentioned how important it is to have a really robust tracking system. And I, I loved what you said about tracking employees on a spreadsheet. A hundred is still a lot, but it is exponential when you start really looking at more, you know, more than that. And then ha as the world opens up and people start traveling and, and start moving around and the, and the world has changed. So we're going to see that more and more often. Systems may not be enough. So what kind of additional support would you suggest and, and what do you use? What's, what have you found helpful? Yeah, well, definitely we have our internal committee. So we have, uh, you know, employment law, tax, uh, HR, all of those people in in a one room are uh, facilities folks who know where, where the offices are and all that to, to look at what our policies are going to be, at least on a grand scale. But then on the tax level, which is where most of this falls in, we partner with one of the, the big three or however many um, firms there, accounting firms there are. 
um, who've been just amazing helping us um, first, you know, because one, you can't go it alone. There's no way that anybody knows all of this information. Um, it, it, it can be expensive, but it's a cost of doing business. So that's something you need to help your company understand if they're a little leery of, you know, we're going to have all these huge bills. It's like, well, it's part of what we have to do. So we definitely have partnered with them. I, again, we were fortunate to get this process started before the pandemic, but they sat us down and we looked at the countries we were in, the countries we were likely to go into, and then just the domestic, all the different states, and came up with what our tax policy was for each of those moves. You know, here's what the, the law says that you will, you know, tax from, or you will treat the income from grant through vest. Is that, you know, how you're going to recognize it and that type of thing? What type of things that we could comply with, with our systems? We sat down with payroll, with HRIS, with here's, here's what we can do, and came up with our tax policy. Then they actually worked with Schwab to help set up our mobility preferences in the system so that it works. But it definitely was not something that I went alone at. We had a, an internal team that worked on it with our external experts. And I feel 100% confident that what we have now is, is getting us to where we need to be to be compliant. We also, in coming up with that tax, tax policy, they created a um, workbook for us in Excel that we can share with payroll and HR. I don't know if they actually use it, um, but we also took that and created a separate matrix that we posted on our intranet so employees can kind of see how the, the move will affect them also for their equity. But um, it has those policies out there. So payroll can look at it and see why, why are we getting taxes for this guy? He moved, you know, a year ago and they can look and be like, oh yeah, a year ago he was here per their tax policy. That's what we do. So it feels good that we don't have to, every time a question comes up, we have backup for it and we can give, here's, here's our tax policy. Here's our matrix. Here's, here's why we do it. The employees get the same information. Payroll has the same information. I have the same information. Our systems are set up. So it's, that is really figure out, you know, I kind of feel like the order we talked about these in as far as educate the employees and then figure out your systems. I think we maybe almost did that backwards where it's figure out your tax policy, document that, get your experts in line, then set up your systems, then educate the employees. So everybody's got that same information. It makes it so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I'm really curious. Um, you talked about you know, having a partner and having mobility experts, being in the, the equity comm industry and being that the expert that you are, when you look around at, at your colleagues and your own experience, how common is it for a company or even an, an equity team to have either a mobility specialist or a specific dedicated mobility staff? It depends on the size of the company. And, and this is something Twilio was growing internationally already. So we had a global mobility team and that was already growing. So that was great that I could, we could work with them and make sure that, you know, as they are applying for work permits for somebody in a certain country that we know that that was coming. So if, especially if it was a new country, so we could get things set up. Smaller companies or companies that maybe were mostly domestic with a little bit of outside probably don't have those teams. And then in with those, it's even more important that you get outside expertise that can help you with this. I think no matter what, you know, you need that outside expertise because they can go out and look up, you know, it'll be some obscure issue. Everything will go along fine 80 percent of the time. Then you'll have the kind of, um, you know, those those side cases that are like, I'm, you know, I'm a citizen of X, Y, Z country, but I'm living in this country and then I moved to that country and then oh, now I'm in the U.S. And how do you tax that? Um, there's just nobody 
can figure that out. And then it's also some of the issues that come up is if you are um, applying, you know, 100% of the letter of the law of tax in those, those jurisdictions, there are times when employees actually won't receive any shares because they're being taxed so high. And what is your policy on that? How do you communicate that to their manager? Their manager needs to know that they're not going to see that money until they file their tax returns or, you know, whatever. This is maybe getting ahead of it before they move. You know, hey, you're going to have this trailing tax liability for this employee moving. I don't know if you really want to do that. One, high, very high social taxes in that, that country, and that's going to come out of your budget. Um, or, and, or they're, you know, they're going to be double taxed for a couple of years. So is that really, you know, everybody's going into this eyes wide open, but definitely something to bring up. Yeah. Gosh. Do you know, I'm just, I'm really curious. I've done absolutely no personal research on this whatsoever, but for mobility experts or mobility staff, is that typically a, a, just a tax and accounting function or are there a specific professional designation for mobility experts? I don't know if there's a specific designation. Um, it does roll up into HR and I found that at other companies too, it typically rolls under the like global, global comp and benefits type team. I know one of the people on our team actually has her undergrad, I think it's an undergrad degree in mobility. She was in France. So I think it's more common in Europe that, that, that. um, so, um, but they definitely, that team deals with everything about the move, um, the work permits, the, you know, all of that. And tax is just like a little tiny sideline of it where they actually, the employees actually have a tax briefing with our outside advisor to give them a heads up on what's going on. But that all starts changing too when you have people that choose to go live somewhere else. Do they still get a tax briefing? Um, what do we give them? You know, I, it's, it's, you know, again, we don't want anybody surprised at tax time. So maybe it's better for the company to provide that tax briefing. But those are different things that I think all companies are kind of struggling with right now is do we pay for that, that tax information or do we just tell them to go it alone, you know, talk to your personal tax advisor, which is what we all fall back on. But to me, it feels like such an empty message because I, I get that kind of deer in headlights look from employees like, tax advisor how do I even find a tax advisor and they just you know like uncle bob like what I didn't you know and so so some of it's also educating them on how to find a tax advisor and um I think it's common for us in the U.S. to have tax advisors because our tax system is so complicated but a lot of you know foreign countries it's not that complicated or the company does it all and you only have to do a return if you have some wacky you know stock situation so it does feel like we need to do more I'm sensing the rise of a whole mobility industry here. So definitely keep your eye out. I, I think we're going to see a lot going forward. So I'm going to take our, our four key actions for spas and flip them based on your recommendation and start with, we really need to have a remote work policy and a tax policy associated with that, both at the corporate level and to to be able to help employees and then make sure that you've got your systems in place and you've got the right support and then go out and have a plan to educate your employees and, and you can support them better. So I think that's a really, really good plan. What would you do first if you were starting out brand new? You go to a brand new company and um, let's say even a private company, but you're about to go public. What's the first thing you would do from a mobility perspective to support your employees and make sure everything was in compliance? I would go out to the experts and figure out who my team is internally. Who's my team? Who knows where the employees have been? 
And then with the outside experts, who has the expertise here? What vendors can I work with? And get that team in place first and then start pulling data and having the outside experts help evaluate what we've got, what we need to do to clean up and how we need to move forward. Yeah, but I, I guarantee you that's a multi-year effort, right? It, it can be, it can be. And, and we still have, I feel like, knock on wood, I've been here almost five years. We, we've gotten all of the zombies from before. <laughs> I think we've cleaned all of those out and, you know, trued everything up and corrected everything. So I feel like we're, we're almost at baseline zero. Um, but that is definitely something I would do first. That's a, it's a great place to start. And I think one of the most important things probably to remember with this is that you're not going to get to perfection with compliance day one. But if there was an audit or the regulators did come knocking on your door, it's super important to be able to show here's what we're doing to work towards compliance. And here we do have a future state and a strategy in mind. Here are all the actions we're taking to get there. And that's a lot better than trying to have one big significant launch where you're, you you reach perfection. This is, it's evolving. It's not going anywhere. Mobility is definitely here to stay. But no one, hap- you know, nobody achieves perfection and 100% compliance with it overnight. But being able to show progress towards that, having the policies in place, the systems in place, the right support and the right education is super important. So thanks for your guidance on that. Really, really appreciate it. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for joining us. Such a hot topic and so complicated, so interesting, and definitely something we're going to have a lot more to talk about. I, I anticipate we're going to have this conversation in a year and there'll be so much more to talk about. Don't you think? I agree. I agree. Thank you for having me. This has been so fun. It's super fun to have you. It's great to see you. Thanks so much. Thanks for being a part of Equity Impact. And to all of our listeners, thanks for joining us today. And we'll see you at the next episode. Subscribe to our podcast and visit schwab.com slash equity unpacked. For important disclosures, see the show notes or visit schwab.com slash equity unpacked.